Blog Talk Radio. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red vs. Blue Friday Night Football, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the World of High Stakes Fantasy Football, and boy, do we have a good one for you. Every year we do the Red vs. Blue Draft, the online championship. And it's a star-studded affair. We've got a great cast of characters. Let's run down the lineup, and we'll get right to it. Fantasy Noob out of the one hole has already picked with Christian McCaffrey on the board back from injury this year. Daily Double Jerry Bryant takes Alvin Kamara with the two pick. That was a controversial pick in the FGA draft. Together. Went number one overall. Caused quite a bit of a stir. Drew Brees isn't there. We all know that Jameis Winston uh, is there this year. And Taysom Hill, who didn't dump him the same way that Drew Brees did, um, Alvin Kamara. The three, Mud Crutch, Tom Northrup and Mike McCarthy. Welcome, guys. They've got Dalvin Cook with the three pick. Dalvin had an incredible year last season. Uh, looks to build on that again. Could be the number one fantasy player overall this year. Number four, Mr. Pink, Andrew Palermo. Always dangerous. Takes Derek Henry, the king. Derek Henry from the four pick. Lots going on in Tennessee to talk about this year with the addition of Julio Jones to the wide receiver corps, the departure of Corey Davis, meh, that's a nothing burger unless you're a Jets fan, and uh, yeah, A.J. Brown, the ascension of A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill, so efficient, so effective at running that offense, the stars align there for Ryan Tannehill. The five, Skull Crusher, Greg Koch takes Tyreek Hill. We see the first Wide receiver off the board. It's a little early to see a wide receiver, but in the FFWC, the World Championship format, we know that wide receivers go fast and furious, and we have one. It's a little earlier than what we've seen as far as his ADP. His ADP is 7-6 in high-stakes FFWC leagues. But again, if you like him, you take him here and you worry about it later. Maybe there's a stack on the way. Uh, We'll see. Number six, release the Kraken 2, Ashraf Ibrahim. Uh, with Jonathan Taylor, the rookie last year from Indianapolis that just set the world on fire the last, I don't know, five or six weeks of the season. He is uh, looks like he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And he has, you know, look, you've got to contend with Naheem Hines there getting the catches. But Jonathan Taylor, a lot to like about that. I'm sure that Doc uh, will have a lot to say. 232 carries last year, 1,160, 11 rushing touchdowns with 36 receptions, too. As a rookie, that was real impressive last year. Looks to build on that this year. But, again, you're paying for that upside, right? He he has to do it now because you're paying a number six overall pick, whereas last year you're getting 
quite a bit later than that. Number seven, FL hitman Tom Morrison at the seven hole. And who does he take? Ezekiel Elliott. He is back. Dak Prescott is back. And that makes that stirs the drink if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, 244 carries and 979 yards for Zeke. Only six touchdowns. Not a good season for Zeke. We haven't seen a, a, a for Zeke. A, we haven't seen a season like that for him since the injury uh, year. And look, he's got a lot of carries on his on his career. We'll see if he can get back. But back, that makes a lot of things work with uh, if you're Ezekiel Elliott and if you're Ezekiel Elliott owner in fantasy. Uh, Frank Shinnick, the crew in the chat room here, he says I would have loved Zeke there for sure. Right? I mean, look, it's a great spot. And you see Jonathan Taylor, Tyreek Hill, and Derrick Henry all go in front of him. So uh, let's see. His ADP pop over here and look. Uh, Zeke Elliott, uh, 7.9. So it's right, it's, it's right about there. Uh, let's, let's take a look at what the next pick did. B-S-O-L. B-S-O-L. Bright side of life. Frank Shinnick, he takes Cam Akers. Now, Frank was just saying in the chat room that he would love to have Zeke, so it sounds like Tom sniped him in the first round. And not a bad consolation prize. Cam Akers, uh, last year, rookie sensation to finish the season strong like that, and now he is going with a in the first round. Again, RB45 last year, 145 carries, 625 yards, two touchdowns. Had that nice game that really sent everybody uh, – in the playoffs, though, that didn't count for your regular season stats, so it's kind of deceiving there, right? 28 carries, 131 yards, and a touch against Seattle, two catches for 45 yards also. That kind of set the tone of, about what was possible. Yeah, he had that big game against New England, but the one against Seattle, that was that was the one for me that just basically said, okay, this kid's uh, here to play, and he's he's going to go ahead and be the bell cow here. Uh, for the LA Rams and they get Matt Stafford this year. So that's going to be a much more effective offense than what you had with Jared Goff, right? Last year uh, in Detroit. Now Bronco 2105, Ken Brzozowski 2020 league champion last year. Congrats, Ken. He takes Saquon Barkley. He's not scared of the knee. Saquon uh, suffered a devastating injury last year, and look, his, his ADP is dropping. We've seen it. He was as high as the fifth overall pick in FFWC for about the last month now, but just the last couple of drafts with all of the news talking about him maybe not being ready, which we all kind of knew anyway, right? But with the news that spreads FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD, the last three drafts, he's dropped to seven, he's dropped to eight, and the last draft dropped to number 14. So here at number nine, doesn't surprise me that Ken uh, grabs him at nine. Again, uh, right here near the end of this RB tier, there's still some left. Number 10, Evil Empire, Anthony Vargas takes Devontae Adams and so much drama with the Devontae Adams pick this year. Who knows Aaron Rodgers, there's so much uncertainty. Look, I get it. If you don't want to draft early this year, I understand. There's a lot of uncertainty. It could affect all of the Denver players if he somehow ends up in Denver. It can certainly affect all of the Green Bay Packers players, and that's what we're seeing right now. Devontae Adams slipping to the 10th spot overall, and his ADP in the FFWC, get this, gang, number 13. Number 13. That's incredible. 
Okay, uh, bad. That's, that's that's bad news for. I mean, Devonte Adams. It's not fair with the type of season that he put up. The fantasy owner, but they're look. They're scared. Aaron Rodgers potentially just going AWOL here, and and look, he could hold out. There is there is drama there. 115 receptions last year, second to only. Stephon Diggs, 1,374 yards, but the number that stands out is what Aaron Rodgers does for Devontae Adams in the red zone. You would lose that if you only had Jordan Love. 18 touchdowns. You want to know how many touchdowns Devontae Adams has or would have with Jordan Love? I'm not going to answer it, but I'm going to let the next, our first guest of the evening answer that question. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open. Dr. Roto, we are so glad have you here what's up brother dude how many years have we been doing this was it like five now four or five doing the red versus blue draft like this oh the, you know i i looked on the episodes it said it was episode two. i've taken off for like we've taken off for five years like basically just doing the red versus blue draft i mean we're all three episodes deep in this thing man See, this is the true kickoff to the high-stakes fantasy football league. Don't let anybody kid you that it's earlier. This is it right here, the red versus blue. A lot of, red, a lot of names I recognize and uh, some good picks and some picks I wouldn't have made already. So it's, uh, it's interesting. It's good to have you, Doc. We have, uh, we have a lot of people to thank for that. Officer Tom Shepard being one for sure with the donation, helping you out uh, last year in the crazy COVID year. How are you feeling, man? Dude, I'm doing great. I mean, it seems crazy that it's uh, been about, what, 14 months since it, since the uh, transplant. But, uh, you know, feeling good. I've got a 25-year-old kidney in my body. It's the youngest thing that's going on in me. And uh, Tom Shepard is a hero and will always be in, uh, in my mind. And uh, I, I couldn't thank him enough. There's, there's no words to express what, what he did. So um, he just has to know how I feel. Absolutely. We all feel that way about him, uh, true, true hero, seeing the video like that. Thankfully, the, the coverage you got on Twitter with all of the retweets and the Sports Illustrated coverage, all that, all that played a part, just a little part in Tom saying, wait a minute, what is this all about? And then, boom, uh, lives have changed, man. We're just so happy to hear from you. Let's talk about Devontae Adams, man. This is your wheelhouse here. 18 times. How many does he have if he has Jordan Love? Nine. Ten. I mean, I, I think he's he, – there, there are certain guys in the first round, Barkley, Adams, who I think are very uh, – got to be careful. I could see Barkley going at four. I could see Barkley going at, at 12. I, I think Adams went where he should. I don't think I take okay. him because I'm of the belief that Aaron Rodgers is not playing it down for Green Bay anymore. I, I don't think mm-hmm. Rodgers needs the money. Right? He's a man of principle. He doesn't like what happened. I don't blame him. I wouldn't like it either. I think he's done. And I think that he could sit out and be the host of Jeopardy. I mean, he doesn't need the Packers anymore. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. So I think Adams better start, start uh, playing well with Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love is going to be the quarterback this year. So I can't tell you that he's not a first-round pick. I could just tell you that I wouldn't have taken him in the first round. Well, let's move on then. Uh, Adams at 10. We've got two more in the first round. Dilly Dilly. Joey Brown. It's nice to see Joey back in the draft room here at FFWC taking Nick Chubb, which would probably have been my pick over Akers, Barkley, maybe even Zeke Elliott. I know you're high on Taylor. We'll talk about him in a minute. But how high are you on Chubb? Where does he belong in that first round for you? Yeah, I think Chubb could have been gone at pick seven. I think Joey made a great pick. I think Joey probably woke up this morning and said, if I could get Nick Chubb at 11, it's been a good draft. And I think he comes back and takes Hopkins in the second round. He started off tough. I mean, look, I have to say, 
you know, the fantasy executive, Corey Parson, loved Chubb, and I wasn't so sure, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm a convert. I think he's really good. He's fast, and that offense is committed to the run, and Baker Mayfield showed with the play-action passing that he could be effective with a good coach. So, I mean, what are we looking at with Nick Chubb? 1,400 rushing yards, maybe another two or 300 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. You're not going to take that in the first round? I think you will. Yeah, it it's definitely carries and touchdowns. Kareem Hunt definitely scares me every time I take Chubb, but it's nice to have that bell cow. And that is right in line with the FFWC ADP RB9. Let's finish up number 12, Bobbing Jim Scarnati takes Austin Eckler. Seems like he's the talk of Twitter and a lot of uh, a lot of the experts talking up Austin Eckler this year, especially in PPR formats. Justin Herbert's there. What do you think about Austin Eckler at the end of the end of the first round here? Yeah, what's not to like? And, and you know, all those so-called guys, like, uh, Joshua Kelly and Johnson right. and Jackson, and uh, they're not really that good. I mean, honestly, they're not really that good. So I, I think that just listen to me now, and if anybody's out here listening to me, I mean, if you want to take a bet, how about betting on Brandon Staley being coach of the year? Because I'm telling you, the Chargers lost a ton of games last year because Anthony Lynn is a coordinator, not a head coach. I think this team is going to have a really good year. I think Mike Williams is going to have a good year. Uh, the defense is going to be good, sir. When James is back, Austin Eckler, very, very solid pick, especially if you're picking at the back end of the first round. There's nothing wrong with taking him somewhere between like 11 and 14. And so let's just get a prediction here. If he plays all 16 or 17 games, I mean, are they all going to try play play all 17 games? Or are they going to take a game off? We haven't really talked about that yet. He's got a hunter catch upside. Yeah, yeah, and in this format, in any PPR format, he, he's gold. I mean, right, he, he is gold. So you've got to sit there and say, well, let's say he catches 80 passes for 800 yards, and he gets another 700 yards rushing, and he finds the end zone eight times. Put, do the math. The math is going to tell you the guy's a top seven or top eight running back. I think people don't trust Eckler because he's not the biggest dude out there. But have you seen any of his videos on, on Instagram yeah, and yeah, on Twitter? Yeah. The guy's built like a Mack truck. I'm fine taking him. Okay, um, let's just go ahead and let you scan this second round here for everybody at home. We will break down the second round. But, Doc, you see um, lineup construction is real important early on, right? You can take the first best player that you, that you like, and then, it, then, then you start to think lineup construction here, or are you still in best player available mode with FFWC? Um, that's a great question. You know, I'm, I'm usually in best player mode. But I'm, I'm always looking for, for opportunities. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going at uh, 24 is a really good pick right there. I think starting okay. McCaffrey and Edwards-Hilaire, that's a steal, right? Because wasn't Edwards-Hilaire going top five, top six last year, and all of a sudden he disappeared? Why? Because Le'Veon Bell was there. Well, Le'Veon Bell is not there anymore. So, I mean, I'm looking at Le- Edwards-Hilaire having a big comeback year. Uh, Joe Mixon went a little bit earlier than I thought. I really like Antonio Gibson. I think he's a special player. I kind of like that – uh, roster construction there with Akers, Gibson, and Allen Robinson. Um, there, there's good picks in the second round. I think, though, when you can get Calvin Ridley, when you can start your draft Taylor and Ridley, you're doing something right. When you're starting your draft Henry and Justin Jefferson, you're doing something right. Um, so I, I think there are always good picks. I think the roster construction starts to take shape in round three for me. Right, First two rounds, I'm trying to get my favorite two players that I can find, and then I start figuring out how is that dynamic going to shift? There's a lot of players we could talk about in this round, and I've got three of them that I want to talk about. I think a lot of these are, are just no-brainers, right? We know what Kelsey, Hopkins, Diggs, 
Ridley, Jefferson. We kind of know that all these guys are going to be bell cows here for their offense. There's a couple of names here. Najee Harris at 2-3 uh, by the Boats and Hose team, uh, Anthony. Uh, that's you know to pair with Devontae Adams. You're pairing. Uh, we've got questions about Adams. He'll still and you pair him with Najee Harris, who phenomenal in college, comes to Pittsburgh, who is having offensive line issues. Is he worth a 2-3? He's worth a second-round pick. I don't know if 2-3. I, I think I'd take Gibson maybe over him. Uh, but I like Najee Harris. I'm not going to diss him. I, I do think there are offensive line issues. I think Ben is getting older. I, I think the Steelers are probably on a downward arrow there. But, you know, look, yep. I want to see Najee. Najee was sensational, sensational in college. But when you're Alabama and you're playing Kentucky and you're playing with 27 <laughs> guys who are going to the pros, well, yeah. of course you're going to see holes. So, you know, when you're playing the Cleveland Browns, are you going to see the same – and the Baltimore Ravens, are you going to see the same holes? I'm not sure. I like Najee Harris. I don't love Najee Harris. Yeah, and you mentioned Antonio Gibson there. That's another hot pick. Uh, a lot of people have been comparing him to Jamal Charles, and if we see that kind of breakout this year, he would definitely be worth it. Let's move also to Aaron Jones. Uh, if you don't think that Aaron Rodgers plays in Green Bay, does that – improve his numbers, decrease his numbers, or about the same? You know, I, I think Aaron Jones is who he is, right? He's a guy who runs the ball. The guy's a great receiver. He's really good by the goal line. But I, I think we're going to see the emergence of A.J. Dillon. There were times last year that A.J. Dillon looked unstoppable, right? And I think that they brought him along very, very slowly last year. I think they accelerate that. Uh, this in his sophomore season. So I, I think that Aaron Jones is going to lose a couple of goal line carries. I think he's going to lose just some carries in general. I think Dylan's a guy in the second half that if the Packers are winning, you can definitely be giving him the ball in the fourth quarter. So, you know, look, I like Aaron Jones and, and I can't tell you I don't, but if I could, I know this sounds crazy and a lot of people wouldn't do this, but I'm going to, if he was Tyree kill, I'm coming back with Edward Solaire. I come back with uh, Mahomes maybe in round three. I got myself a little chief stack there. If I'm going to stack any team in the NFL, let it be the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs, uh, the Chargers maybe this year. The, a, anybody that has a really tough, studly quarterback, that's, that's always the goal with those stacks. I'm looking at the, the lineup constructions here, Doc. Uh, we, we get a little bit of everything. It's mostly yellow and green, obviously. Um, if you have a stud running back in the early parts, you're, you're, you're banging away at two wide receivers, and it kind of feels like you're ahead of – the game as it comes back the other way, because, but they have you beat at the RB2 spot. It, you just let the draft come to you, right? Well, you know, look, I think what people need to do is really study some draft boards and study the guys who are really good year in and year out, and you're going to see the same thing, right? Usually they have – so Mr. Pink, I think Mr. Pink is really – he's an FFWC player, right? I can yeah. tell. I don't, I don't know who it is, but I know he's an FFWC player, Andrew, right? Yep. Because he's mm -hmm. got the – right, he's got the one running back, and now he's got Jefferson, now he's got Lamb, now he's got DJ Moore, he's and he's cooking. building those yellow stickers, right? He's building those yellow stickers. And those yellow stickers, especially if you get good guys – so let's go here. Henry's going to get me at least 15 to 20 a week. Jefferson, 15 to 20 a week. Lamb, 15 to 20 a week. Moore, 15 to 20 a week. Once you start doing that, you're looking at a 150 to 180 per week. And this guy's – congratulations, Andrew. You're in the playoffs, right? So I, I can just look at that team and see that kind of upside. When you take the Joneses and the Dobbinses of the world, it's not that I don't like them, but they're more boom or bust, right? Dobbins has two touchdowns one week. 
But then the next week he goes 18 for 51 and doesn't find the end zone. Whereas Justin Jefferson, he never has a week like that. Yeah, and and we mentioned the stack of KC, Tyreek Hill, Pat Mahomes there. That worked out. Maybe we'll see some other stacks along the way, like a Diggs or an Al, Diggs and Allen. Maybe if that if that works out. Um, there's a lot going on here. Terry McLaurin is another player that a lot of people have have boosted up their draft boards. Doc, is he is he Roto Child? I mean, is he is he on that tier? Or are we talking like you got to be super stud to be a Roto Child? Well, you have to be a superstar, but McLaurin's right outside there. I'll tell you this, okay. in the FSGA draft, I took McLaurin in the third round the other night. So, look, oh, I, nice. okay. I, like, I like what's going on in Team 3-2. Dalvin Cook with Metcalf, McLaurin, and Deontay Johnson. Sign me up for that team as well. I think that team's got big, explosive upside. I mean, that team, you're looking at not only great players, but guys who can have two touchdown weeks in Cook and Metcalf. I think McLaurin benefits from Ryan Fitzpatrick right, who is not afraid to chuck the ball and especially chuck the ball downfield, the, the more weeks that Fitzpatrick can play, the better off for McLaurin. And we see we're already in the fifth round. We're, we're going to be knocking these rounds uh, uh, through a little bit, guys, with, with a little bit deeper dive. But I, I want to get Doc's take on a few specific guys being greedy of, for, of me for a second. T. Higgins, I, I saw you announce that Jamar Chase was a roto child. What about T. Higgins? Is he the afterthought now, or is he still is, is he still the guy for Joe Burrow? Yeah, no, he's not the redheaded stepchild by any means. I, <laughs> I like T. Higgins very much. Okay, it's just that Jamar Chase is special, and, and I said mm-hmm. this on on Sirius XM when, when in LSU you didn't even realize that Justin Jefferson played there, right? Because Jamar Chase was so good, and now Justin Jefferson's one of the, uh, one of the number six overall wide receiver. So that just tells you that Chase is upside, right? So in round five, by the way, guys, anybody out there, take Jamar Chase. But I really like – I love T. Higgins. I think Higgins is a big, strong receiver in a pass-first offense. And Joe Burrow showed me a lot as a rookie. I know he got injured, but I thought he did a really good job. I think the Bengals are a team to watch, not in reality, but in fantasy. We're talking to Dr. Roto here. Uh, Two two more questions, Doc, and we'll let you go. we talked about the stack with Pat Mahomes. This is the FFWC. You know how important it is to not get behind the eight ball. When you're drafting, at what point do you pull a trigger on an elite quarterback who can – look, I've seen a lot of winners, league winners, not, have not great drafts, but they had three or four difference makers on that team, and that was enough to really put them over the hump. Josh Allen was a difference maker last year. Everything seems the same. At what point do you pull the trigger? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think you're looking at Mahomes. I think you're looking at Josh Allen. After that, did I, do I need Kyler Murray to win a league? I don't. Do I need uh, Lamar Jackson to win a league? I don't. Right? So I, I can do it with Justin Herbert. I can do it with Jalen Hurts. I could probably do it with Kirk Cousins, to be quite honest with you, if I really build up my team you know, well enough, if I, if I like my draft here. So I, I think the biggest mistake people make in high-stakes leagues is jumping too early on that quarterback. And then, you know, look, Mahomes I have no problem with, and then Allen. But it's like that third and fourth guy, and people get twitchy, right? They get upset, and they get nervous. Oh, my God, I'm going to lose that quarterback. I never feel that way in a draft. You can win a league with Ryan Tannehill. Just do a great job in the first eight or nine rounds, and you can be fine. Can you win with Derek Carr? <laughs> no, I think there's a cutoff, right? At some okay. point, there's a cutoff, right? So you can't be – you know, as our friend Tommy G would say, you can't. You can be contrarian, but you can't be stupid, right? <laughs> so I don't think you win with Derek Carr. I don't think you win okay. with Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold. But I think you can go – you know, 
Can you win with Matthew Stafford? Yeah, you can win with Matthew Stafford. So I think there's about 10, 11 quarterbacks you can win with. Hey, Doc, somebody in the chat room says, talking too much on the podcast. Tell them that this is red versus blue. This is what we do. We exploit strategies. We name drop. We throw out guys you should have taken and should be taken. Sorry. That's all I can tell you. (laughs) Sorry. Doc, tell everybody what you got going on in 2021. We've enjoyed uh, all of the things that you've helped build for us. Scout fantasy, full-time fantasy, SI fantasy, and now it's 2021. It's a new era for Doc. We're, we're going to be uh, showing people how to sign up for your new package and new site. Yeah, yeah. So after many years of working for other people in the industry, I finally decided to take the plunge into my own thing. And uh, my site will be uh, coming about two weeks or so, maybe by the end of this month. Uh, a lot of tools and optimizers and, and things and you know, everything that I would have wanted to, you know, things that I use to win leagues is what I'm going to be able to provide. And I just have a bunch of people who I've known in the industry forever who decided to come with and believe in our vision. And I, I want people to know this too. So I feel very blessed with what happened, what Thomas did for me. And a big part of the site is giving back and mentoring people who want to learn how to get involved in, in the industry and also giving back to charity. We're giving back to charity each month with uh, some of the membership uh, fees that we charge people. So not only are you going to be winning your leagues, you'll be doing good and giving back to others. And I can't ask for anything more than that. Well, let me know when it's up and running. I'm going to be refreshing the site, and then hopefully I'm like the first subscriber. I want like a member number or some kind of appreciation (laughs) number, some kind of little badge that lets me know I'm a founding member. Uh, when that starts, we're very proud of you, Doc. You've uh, you've been a great asset and a family member here to uh, all of us at Full Time and FFWC. And it sounds like we're still going to be doing some beat Dr. Roto leagues and all the fun stuff we've always done. Well, you know what? I love doing these leagues, and I love playing with against my friends, and I uh, appreciate you guys always. And uh, good luck tonight to everybody out there. All right. That is Dr. Roto. You can find him on Twitter at D-R-R-O-T-O and on Sirius XM Fantasy. Guys, the draft is going, look, we do talk. We talk. We, we bring up names. We look at strategies. Like, for example, I'm going to look right now and say, Mr. Pink, look, you got four wide receivers. You got one running back. How long am I going to go until you get that RB2? There's a couple of them out there. There's lots of guys that you can get. Um, at what point does it start to make sense to take a shot on somebody, right? Like, we've got Travis Etienne has high upside. We've got Damian Harris might be starter in New England this year. You've got the rookie Michael Carter in the Jets. Somebody like that might just hold the fort down for this team, and then, you you know, you, you've solidified a strategy. That's what it takes when you're doing – this isn't zero RB, by the way. This is – you have an anchor, Mr. Derek Henry, that's going to provide, what, a one and a half times the performance and one and a half times the – the carries that most other running backs in the third and fourth and fifth rounds are going to carry. So there's a lot to, there's a lot to like about that strategy. I, I, I like waiting on the RB two and then piecing it together and figuring it out. Right. That's there, there. There's nothing wrong with that. Look at, let's look at Florida Hitmen though. Have we ever seen a strategy win with four running backs out of the first five rounds? You better have, the wide receivers down. I mean, you better have the sleepers. You better have several things right about this wide receiver group because we say it every day, right? Not only do you have to survive three wide receiver minimum every week, right? I know in a, 
and, it, and obviously here, the hitmen are banking on the fact that double flex with their running back. And there he goes. He takes Juju Smith-Schuster here in the sixth round. So, okay, now he's got two guys, Robert Woods, Juju. I feel a lot better now. I feel a lot better now. You had me worried. You had me worried there for quite a while. I, I didn't know what to think. But Juju, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Pittsburgh, though. There's a lot of mouths to feed. There's three wide receivers that are studly. There's a, there's a tight end, a couple of tight ends there. You've got some running backs. The running backs don't really uh, – look like they're going to be catching a whole lot of balls in that offense. Um, but they will catch. They, you know, Roethlisberger will, will want to stay upright and just – when he doesn't see anything. Look, the, the Chase Claypool explosion last year, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, that's three. You could get a little deeper than that if you wanted to and think about all of the, the mouths that need to be fed there in an offense that – look, the defense pretty much keeps the offense in check and – and you don't have to worry about it, but you do have James, Robbins, uh, James Washington there as well. A uh, lot of mouths to feed. Can you hold it down? Maybe. He took a one-year deal, a prove-it deal. It, it really surprised a lot of people that he's not a New York Jet right now or not a Detroit Lion, somewhere where he could have been the man. Instead, he's just one of the guys. Um, let's, let's talk about it with our next guest. You know who he is. He's been around since day one and been with Red vs. Blue for a long, long time. The fantasy executive, Corey Parson. Corey, are you a Juju guy? I am a Juju guy this year. Yeah, I am. I'm going to get back on it. I'm going to buy last year's trash. And that's always been one of my things I like to do when it comes to the hobby is to, you know, buy into the dropping ADP of a player coming off of a bad season and Juju's at the top of that list this year. You can get him as a wide receiver three. Yeah, and well, so yeah, usually you would get him as a wide receiver three. Obviously, with this RB heavy strategy that they mentioned, he needs to bring in wide receiver two numbers. He's wide receiver 30 in the FFWC ADP, number 62 overall. And so he gets him at a little bit of a bargain here at pick 65, 66. Yeah, 66. Um, but at wide receiver 30, so right on the money with the ADP. Uh, how you doing, Corey, man? It's been a long time. No, nah, it's, it's been a long time. It's good to talk to you, obviously. This uh, feels like home right here when you're talking red versus blue in the FFWC and getting ready for, like, I guess, I guess you can call it the annual fantasy football kickoff. It's really time to start really get the gears turning right now. So definitely uh, glad to be uh, rocking with you. I think we I think we do time this out really, really well, and FSGA times their drafts off really well. Scott Fishbowl, everything's kind of going off and kicking off this week. July 9th is the time to start waking up. Let's start the, – the average drafter takes their sort of their first look at ADP and look at, look at draft boards and says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my bearings. I'm, I'm getting uh, down what's going on here. And the first thing they've got to see after we see that first round that we talked about is you start to see – again, we talked about it. Najee Harris, uh, Justin Jefferson after the year he had is a wide receiver that you're taking in the second round. Metcalf and A.J. Brown, out of those three guys there, um, and, and, and Ridley, did they have them in the right order there, Ridley, Jefferson, Metcalf, Brown? Is that your order? When you look at that grouping right there, I think that's very interesting you picked it out. The, the guys, listen, when you're talking about just – see, Ridley may be the, the, the purest talent of the bunch, Ridley to go along with Jefferson. I like those two as the best talents. 
So, yeah, I kind of would say that this, this is the way to go. You see the situation that really has this year, no Julio Jones. Now, is that going to make that big of a difference in a new offense? And, and, um, and, and, and with Matt Ryan down in Atlanta, the thing about it is you know he's a defined number one target. Kyle Pitts is a rookie tight end, and I understand he's going to get in the work too, but I like, I like Ridley there. And then Jefferson, we just see the dynamic talent, but Adam Thielen does on the other side, able to get him a little bit more freer. You know, this is the offense that can support two dominant wide receivers. We've seen that for years now. So I, would, I, I don't have a problem with this order right here. Um, Metcalf, you don't like the way that he slipped down the stretch last year. And then A.J. Brown is obviously a beast, too. So this is a very interesting bunch. This is a make-or-break bunch right here. You want kind of all four of these guys to hit, and I think they will, but really would be the one for me. DeAndre Hopkins went wide receiver three. Again, we talked about Devontae Adams with Dr. Roto. We'll get your take on it, too. Without Aaron Rodgers, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of risk there. But DeAndre Hopkins, nobody's talking about, and it seems like he put up incredible expectations for himself after he started off so strong last year in the first half of the season, it did seem like he started to pull back or had a little bit of a lull there in the middle of part of the season. And it sort of took a little shine off for me, but the dude is just phenomenal. Is he your, is he in your top three? I think you have to continue. I would continue to rank him in the top three. You worry about the health of Kyler Murray with Kyler Murray being a smaller guy. And that's kind of the problem. What you saw last year, especially down the stretch with Kyler Murray as the, you know, as when he had to show the injury and got banged up, basically the team tried to struggle offensively as he tried to play himself out of it. He's always going to be a talent to get his numbers. We know what Hopkins can do, but you really want a healthy Murray all season, and that helps it out a lot. Yeah, never not, not a big touchdown guy with Kyler. Only six touchdowns on the season, but yeah. 115 receptions and 1,400 yards. To me, yep. Stephon Diggs is a little bit even safer because it seems like 127 receptions, 1,500 yards, eight times. I mean, those are monster numbers for any receiver. He feels like he's you know, my number one, number one, number two wide receiver. But how do you feel about buying into a, the, the coming off the phenomenal season? Like, right. listen, I'm not saying he's not talented and he has a good season in Minnesota, but last year he really over-exceeded his ADP. He didn't think he'd be that good in Buffalo. Obviously, Josh Allen's going to be a, one of the top MVP candidates this year. Buffalo Bills could be a team playing on that second Sunday in February and dig to be a big part of that. But, like, you know, it's kind of like the Peyton Hillis theory. Do I really want to bank on him having that kind of season again this year? Yeah, that's – I mean, look, we've seen it. There's, there's more of a history there with DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to like about Stefan Diggs, obviously. And if, you know, if you need your wide receiver one, lock it up there. Calvin Ridley, all those guys are very good. Let's move into that third round. It starts off with fantasy noob taking Darren Waller, passing on the wide receivers to take Darren Waller. I got to tell you though, he fits into that player profile that I was talking about earlier in the show with doc. If you have a couple of difference makers on your team, that's a lot. That, often that's enough to carry you over the finish line, and Darren Waller was a difference maker. I mean, a monster, monster season from Darren Waller. Well, he can definitely get the football a lot. He's going to get a lot of targets. His target share is going to be huge. He can do a lot with it after the catch. So he is, you know, he like you said, he can be a difference maker. It's risky to draft him this high. This is the play for it. This is the go for it all type move right here. When you put Darren Marler and when you look at what Fancy Noob did, you know, you, you mix him up with McCaffrey and then Hilaire. 
and then you come back with Waller and Lockett. That's an interesting turn right there. But that being said, you know, Darren Waller is he's going to get the targets, big targets here. I wouldn't do it, but I don't have no problem with the pick. No, mean mean here. Uh, I mean, like I said, uh, you 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 will be behind the eight ball with wide receivers. Look what he did. He started. He's again the one hole starts off McCaffrey, Edwards, Hilaire, Waller. You think, oh my God, you're in the FFWC, and by four twelve, you're not going to have any wide receivers. He gets Lockett. He gets Galladay, albeit on a new team. He gets Robbie Anderson, and he gets Tyler Boyd. So there's your starting lineup. Do you feel okay? Do you feel like going to war with that team with those your as your wide receivers? The key to it is Edwards Hilaire. What is Edwards Hilaire going to be this season? Is he going to get a chance to really truly be the guy and show that he has the kind of skills, especially for, and for fan, the fantasy skills that we've seen on the Andy Reid running back throughout the course of many years now? At times, we saw flashes of that last year, but it was kind of difficult for him to get going and keep that going consistently. If Edwards Hilaire is consistent and he is a top 10 RB, he could be cooking right now. Let's just go back and do revisionist history here. If he would have passed on Edwards Hilaire and taken Keenan Allen to pair with Darren Waller, that would have been his wide receiver one. And then at the 4-5 turn, he grabs a Miles Gaskin or whoever you like there, Mike Davis, Chase Simmons, whatever, Miles Gaskin and Keenan Allen as a combo, or Clyde Edwards-Hare and Kenny Galladay. Did he get it right? Oh, man, you know, hindsight being 2020, it's tough to say that. I'm, I, you know, I'm going to take the potential of the running back. I really am going to take the potential okay. of the big-time running back in the Andy Reid offense. I, am, I don't know what Galladay is going to be with Daniel Jones. This is a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. Um, but what he is going to do, what he should be able to do, is get a ton of targets. So if that happens, you know, listen, this is, this is an offense that's run by, you know, the, the redhead genius and, uh, and Jason Garrett. And we've seen Jason Garrett offense feature a true wide receiver one years in the past, obviously in Dallas. But um, Galladay could definitely be that guy, but can Jones be that quarterback? There you go. Let's talk about uh, the two-team here. Daily Double takes Alvin Kamara, A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool. He's pounding those yellow stickers, bro and then finishes up round seven with an RB2 with upside, Trey Sermon. I mean, it looks like he's trying to win it all when you, when you do this. You're not really, you don't really worry too much about the lead. This is a team that knows that you're in the online championship going for the 50,000. You're not just going for the 2,400. And he's, he's going hard at those wide receivers and those yellow stickers. But let's talk about first A.J. Brown, his wide receiver one. Sean said his next step would be about 90 catches for 1,300 yards and a floor of 12 touchdowns. That sounds like a monster season for A.J. Brown. If A.J. Brown does it, I'm going to want a piece of A.J. Brown. And if Sean says it, then obviously you could put a, you know, some, some, some good stock behind that because he's the guy that definitely knows what he's talking about. Listen, we see what they're doing on offense this year. Now, here's the thing. Is it going, what's it going to be like without the offensive coordinator? So we've seen Tannehill have success with Smith. Smith no longer there. In Atlanta now, I'm quite sure they're going to run a, a, similar, a same similar offense. That's something that I would be a little bit wary of. Quarterbacks going into a year without their main guy, their main, you know, their, their main, um, you know, the offensive coordinator they've done well under. I think that's something that's going to be interesting. But I wouldn't see them changing that strategy up too much. I just would keep an eye on that. But I have no problem with A.J. Brown, especially where he's drafted that. 
Yeah, and then you bring in Julio Jones to really make things interesting in that offense. It's it's um it's going to be interesting to watch. Sermon, though, See, the thing about Julio Jones is here's, yeah. here's, here's the thing. Julio Jones on a new team, and this this is interesting. How much is Julio Jones going to practice? This is a new team. This is a new offense. When he was in Atlanta, he barely practiced because he was always beat up and banged up. He's going to have to get out there and practice and learn this new offense, and it's going to be interesting to see if his body allows him to do that. Well, no doubt. I mean, he hasn't had anybody throwing him the ball but Matt Ryan and, and you know, a couple of his backups for, for a long time. He's been an Atlanta Falcon, but it seems like, you know, talent. Just the fact that he's going to be seeing let, – let, let's just say it this way. If you're, um, if you're some of the, the top corners in the league, right, say you're Tredavious White and you're the Buffalo – and you're matching up on, on, on the Titans, who are you, you going to guard? Are you going to guard Henry? Are you going to guard Julio? Or are you going to guard A.J. Brown? Well, it's, it's going to be tough <laughs> because you still got Derrick Henry in the backfield coming at you as well. But I'm guarding AJ Brown. I, you know, I hate, I hate, I hate to do it. You know what I'm saying? I hate to down talk the legend that is Julio Jones. Come on. But I'm guarding AJ Brown. And Julio, I don't. I'm not sure if Julio Jones is healthy. I'm not sure if I think his best days are behind him. Well, you know, we get to we get to see it uh, August 13th when the Titans take on the Falcons. Uh, we'll we'll see what he, if if they get him out there and play in that in that uh, Seahawks he's going to play Seahawks in on the nineteenth uh, he's going to play the Cardinals on the twelfth um, in, in the in the opener so so we'll start to see it pretty early but if you're if you're taking on a Jair Alexander or a Tre'Davious White or a Stephen Gilmore or a Marcus Peters or a Jalen Ramsey one of these dudes this will be the first time ever that Julio hasn't had to see those dudes. So who's going to be on Julio? I don't think it makes a difference. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it makes a difference when he was at his best. But now, you know, no, that I think I think those corners, they they they, you know, like you said, he is getting the um the lesser of the the, the coverage now. But still, right. he's the type of player where it wouldn't matter regardless. But I don't okay. know if he's that player anymore. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Trey Sermon as his RB2. We'll see if he can pull that off again. That's, but he does grab Leonard Fournette maybe as the safety valve here. So you can start the season with Leonard Fournette and then let Trey Sermon eventually get into that lineup. That was a real smart move, Jerry. Nicely done. Mud Crutch at the three-hole. We talked about Dalvin Cook. Is he your number one overall player this year, Corey? Should he be the one overall? Why is everybody already back to McCaffrey? Well, because the games McCaffrey played in last year, he did very well. He's in an offense that's going to fit him well. They're going to get him the ball or not. Now, you don't have check, maybe check, maybe one, two, with Teddy, <laughs> with two gloves, Teddy, with Teddy Bridgewater. Yep. Yep. But so you have Sam Donald, who is more than likely going to be able to take some shots a little bit deeper down the football field. But still, everything sets up for, for McCaffrey to be the top player, the top offensive player that's not a quarterback. But when I look at what Dalvin Cook can do as a runner in that offense, I, 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 Dalvin Cook has won one to me this season. I'm saying that Dalvin Cook is the best running back in the NFL. He runs like a madman, catches the football. That offense sets up perfectly for him. Um, and this is the offense that they know what they're doing when it comes to running the football. They do this. This is what they do, that offense in Minnesota. So I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook. The interesting thing about it is even if you project Dalvin Cook for 15 starts, he's still going to be an RB1. If you project him for 17 starts, 
then he's, I mean, then he's going to go crazy. Because you got to figure he'll probably miss at least two games because of the nature of the position. But he's still right. going to be a top player and the top back. And McCaffrey the same way. But um, I just, I just want the pure running back in Dalvin Cook. I think it's Dalvin Cook's time to take over as the top player in fantasy. Yeah, and you have to watch out for you got to get that Alexander Madison at some point. I'm sure he's thinking about other people. I don't think a lot of people look at their handcuffs as as stealing other people's handcuffs. It's not a big strategy. It's not a big winning strategy to steal other people's handcuffs. Because I'll tell you, I've sat with teams before having three or four handcuffs, and that's all they do. They just sit and you look at them on your bench. You're like, man, they you know they just never going to get a chance. You know, they just they just sit there. I mean, um, we, we, that, 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 that's, an that's an antiquated uh, strategy. Yeah. You know, back in yeah. the day when you were backing up uh, Arian Foster with Steve Slayton or something like that, yeah. or Ben Tate, that may have been a thing. <laughs> but in today's fantasy, because if that, if that stud goes out, it's going to be two backs behind him. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna have a, a combo approach, and and you know, look, it is nice to get some of that performance uh, recouped. We've talked about that before with Travis Kelsey. It's one of those players that you can't handcuff, right? If you lose Travis Kelsey, yeah. you're out that tight end, and that you're you're out of tight end, so you've got to go to the tight end too, and 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 you know, you're you're sacrificing an RB one or a wide receiver one when you take Travis Kelsey. So there's a lot of risk in a Travis Kelsey pick in the second round, even though he performs, uh, it, it, it almost feels a little safer to go with that Darren Waller in the third. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not really going to – I'm going to try to find a value tight end. It's not how I would do it, but I don't have no problem doing it. You know, I was thinking about it. The year I had my biggest and best win in the, uh, the FFWC, I, you know, I had – I was starting two tight ends. So yeah. I kind of like, hmm, that's interesting how that kind of played out and worked out <laughs> that year. That just yeah. so happened that I was starting two tight ends. One of the tight ends was Travis Kelsey. Amari Cooper was finished the wide receiver 15 with only partial season from, from Dak Prescott, and then he ended up with Andy Dalton uh, still at wide receiver 15 for the year here. So is there – are we missing out on an Amari Cooper as potentially being like a top 10 wide receiver and we just don't think of him in that way? Well, they're starting to shiny new toy, C.D. Lamb. Right. So if you are predicting this C.D. Lamb breakout and this C.D. Lamb takeover, then you know what? You know, then you're going to be off Amari Cooper. And then you are able to get Amari Cooper as a value. Here's what I would say about it. When you look at Cooper's contract situation, yeah. obviously just signed that deal a year ago or so, but that deal was front heavy. So if this is possibly Cooper's last year in Dallas, oh then, you'll start to, then you can start to see C.D. Lamb become a bigger part of the offense. And then, you know, so I would want to, I would, I would want to mix both in. You know, I would want to have some shares of both because they're going to have both. I think both of them have big seasons, but I would want to have some shares of both. It's a matter of how you – prioritize the players and prioritize, you know, the league that you're playing in. But I want to have some shares of both um, just because of the fact that, you know, you're getting Amari Cooper at a discount. By the way, by the same token, if Amari is a guy that doesn't see bringing back next year, then C.D. Lamb becomes a huge piece. So we're talking C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup starters for Dallas next year. Uh, fascinating. Um, 
let's move on. That's a great squad that he put together. Jerry uh, with T. Higgins is the four. Claypool is the five. Sam, I mean, it's a really good squad. We talked about Mud Crutch building with Dalvin Cook, Metcalf, McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Miles Gaskin in the fifth round as the RB2. We see this a lot, waiting for that RB2. It seems like we're seeing that uh, across a lot of these teams here tonight, or about half of them. Miles Gaskin had a fantastic season last year. Has anything really changed in Miami to change what's going to happen with Miles Gaskin? It feels like if he's the starter, there's 150 carries up for grabs. He's a he's a 40 or 50 catch guy, maybe even more. I think he's a very interesting player on on what's going to be a, a very interesting team this year. I mean, you told you talked about the stats which kind of came on. I don't want to say that he's kind of he's kind of floating under the radar. I think an ADP is going to push that when people realize that. And so that's why Mitch Mix is a good time of year to be drafting when you can get a player like him, especially in your RB2, because I think you're going to pay a little bit heavier price as we get closer to the start of the season. So, listen, I don't have no problems with Gaskin. The thing about it is, you know, Elias is going to be on what, what, is, what is Tua going to do. What is Tua going to do? They're giving him the job. You know what I'm saying? It's his chance. It's his opportunity. Now, this is a team in the Miami Dolphins that should be – if you look at what the odds makers are saying, they should be the seventh seed. They should be an AFC playoff team this year. So if that is the case, that's going to come with Tua, and that's going to come with him uh, getting able to get the football to a number of different options, and Miles Gaskins are definitely one of the top ones of those. Yeah, look, uh, the, the Dolphins, even though we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars putting together that college atmosphere, the Dolphins, to me, feel like that college team, right, that they're putting together. And you've got Brian Flores there, and you, you've, you've just got this atmosphere that I could see just a big old rotational backfield. You've got guys that, I mean, sometimes it'll be Malcolm Brown out there, and you would be like, what the heck is Malcolm Brown doing? And get Gaskin in there, and you got this rookie, Jared Dokes, a seventh rounder. But, not, I mean, nothing really there. And you, then you got Salvin Ahmed. Who, who did well when he had a chance. And so I just think then you got Patrick Laird and, you know, all these guys that it's just I, I have this fear of that Miami backfield that maybe I'm, we're banking on what we saw from Miles Gaskin. And, and maybe we'll get that, but it'll be sporadic, right? It'll be good games when he starts, but who knows when that's going to be. And, and maybe he's more of a best ball guy. That's, that's what scares me. I like the seventh-round pick, Michael Carter, uh, Corey. Uh, they were happy about taking him in that pick. We saw that he was one of the top dynasty running backs going into the draft, and they had two running backs there in North Carolina. They had Javante Williams. They had Michael Carter. They both looked extremely well. Javante got drafted higher. Michael Carter goes in the fourth round, but we know that that running backs get disrespected in the NFL draft anymore. The fourth round is not an indicator that he's not a, a, a really solid talent, and it sounds like Carter might be the starter in New York. The thing about it is, can he protect the quarterback? Can he protect the investment that the New York Jets made with number two pick? That's what it comes down to a lot of these rookie running backs. Yeah, I can catch. Yeah, I can run. But the guy that's behind me is the, the quarterback. The guy that's in front of me, the quarterback, he is the franchise. He's the most important player on the team. If I'm able to keep him upright, that's the running back. That's his first job. Can he do that? If he can do that, he's definitely going to have an opportunity. If he can't do that, there's going to be somebody in there that can because nobody's more important than Zach Wilson. It's a good point to bring up. Tevin Coleman, a high-quality pass blocker. He gave up only 15 yep. pressures, over 257 career snaps. 
a 5.8% rate is slightly above half of the 2020 average for running backs. So, look, we all know that he can catch the ball, and he'll, and he'll be there to do that. But I, you, you bring up a good point. you got a rookie quarterback out there. You can't risk it with a rookie until he's proven it. Uh, so, Tevin Coleman, only 15 pressures over 250 career snaps. That's not bad. Let's take a look at Mr. Pink. We, we love Andrew. By the way, you're listening to uh, the, the Red versus Blue show here. Fantasy executive Corey Parson. Corey, tell everybody where you're at and where they can find you now. Right now, we're over there at NBC Sports Edge, you know, uh, doing some sports bet stuff over there. So, plenty of content coming out. We'll have some announcements coming up shortly as we get ready to head into the 2021 NFL season. So, definitely looking forward to it. And as always, you know what I'm saying? Always want to um, turn some love to the fantasy community, especially my family with the FFWC. And we will see some beat fantasy executive leagues this year. Sports betting, man, you've got you. You've been doing a lot of uh, great articles and a great future stuff. A lot of player props, all that, all that jazz over at NBC. It's really cool to see you uh, with one of those big empire brands. We always knew that day would happen, and we're really proud of you. It's, it's, we're glad that uh, you could be part of Red versus Blue as always, annual tradition. And we'll see you in the no FMWC doubt. lobby, man. It's time to take down a ship, man. It's time to take down one. It's been it's been a it's been a couple years since we knocked one down, so definitely want to uh, hopefully this is the year to get back on top. All right, the fantasy exec on Twitter, you can find him there, and you can find him at NBC The Edge. We'll see you, Corey. Thanks for being part. All right, thanks a lot, my man. All right, be good. Yeah, that was Corey Parson, man. He's been in these leagues, and uh, he he knows the ins and outs. We're going to keep bouncing it around here. We're going to bring in the rain man, Sean Child. Sean, you have been at it by the 32-team outlooks. All the offensive players have now been reviewed. There's so much content you've been cranking out. Do you feel like you're ready to start tackling some drafts, my man? <laughs> when I finish these projections, I'll be done. It's just uh, it's kind of a tedious process, and I think this year – is uh, a little more interesting than most because there's a lot of, you know, teams going, changing coaches, different directions, a lot of receivers, running backs that are, you know, you know, going to get projected higher or lower than you, you you think. So there's going to be some value and there's going to be some opportunities. So right now I'm, you know, doing the projections and then I feel like I can get at least a first look at, at the, you know, everything, the research shoved in the, you know, kind of all together. And then you kind of, you know, you're, the first looks always a little different than you, you go review it a couple of times, you get some news out of training camp. So, uh, you know, it's still, there's so much information to take in for the last couple of months. So now you kind of put it all together and then, you know, formulate opinions and then you want to actually compare it to everybody else. So there's a, there's a lot going on there. Sean Childs, one of the best triple threats in all of fantasy plays baseball season long, uh, plays NFL season long and daily crushing uh, some big lineups in all these sports in season long and daily. Very hard to do do both extremely well. You're one of the rare ones. We left off with Mr. Pink here. One of the FFWC vets always does extremely well in this format in the FFWC, always cashing five figures. It feels like every year looking, waiting for six figures, perhaps this year, Derek Henry, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk in the fifth and Jerry Judy. Let's stop right there. We've counted five wide receivers through six rounds. He knows how to put together an FFWC team. What happens then with the running backs? James Robinson, Naheem Hines, Javante Williams, Gus Edwards, and quarterback Justin Herbert to boot. I haven't looked at all the teams here. We're only, th- we're only on the fourth team. This team screams excellence. 
to me. What do you what do you say, Sean? Well, he's you know he's got the structure you're looking for, especially in the high stakes market. You know, the fade the RB two, and then you hope hopefully you improve it either through the wave wire or or one of the back end uh, draft positions. So he's you know the five receivers in a row. Um, if they all perform at a top, you know, say 36 or 42 level, you know, he's off and running. He's got a lead running back that's going to carry the team. Not a lot of catches, but, uh, you know, and you know, Robinson's going to be in the mix for, you know, at least a, a split role. So he's, he should get him out of the gate. So there's a lot to like there. Um, actually, just, you know, I did the Denver pro, um, projection. So it's kind of, kind of, conf- you know, that in the receivers that you want to get a lot out of those. And uh, I just, uh, the, t- the toughest time for me was, you know, will Denver throw enough? And I'm leaning towards Teddy Bridgewater being the quarterback instead. You know, instead of Locke, because I think that right. he's more of a ball control, less, less mistake guy. So, you know, Carolina did did all right last year, but you know, not a lot of passes. Um, they're going to try to run the ball. Um, so, you know, I think both of those receivers are going to be good, but they fall more in that 65-70 range. Uh, they can make some big plays, but the other thing with that is that. You know, Bridgewater is going to get the ball out quicker, so their yards per catch aren't going to match up when Locke was playing, you know, the last couple of years because Locke was, you know, going downfield making bigger plays, but he was also turning it over and, and you know, not not uh, moving the chains as much. So that's those are two interesting players uh, for me because I just kind of, you know, you know, did that team. So, but definitely interesting team. And let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers, Sean. When people are drafting Brandon Ayuk in the fifth. George Kittle in the third, and Debo Samuel a little bit later than that, maybe the sixth, maybe the seventh. What do you say to those people who are like, well, okay, I'm drafting him, hoping that Trey Lance catches fire, Jimmy Garoppolo is okay. Do you feel confident that a rookie can come in like a Trey Lance if they reigns in, let's say, week six or seven? Do do you think – that he can hold the fort down for these player values? Um, I like Lance a lot going into the draft, and I, I thought San Francisco was a great fit. But at the same time, Garoppolo is kind of a proven guy that, you know, can win some games. He tends to get in, injured and miss, misses a lot of time. But I think San Francisco looks like their position where, you know, they want, they're going to ride him out of the gate. Um, he's going to complete, you know, two-thirds of his passes. He's going to move the chains. They have a great offensive line. They're going to run the ball well. Um, they got a good tight end, two good lead receivers. If everybody clicks, I mean, that offense could really fire, but they're going to score. I mean, they scored a ton of touchdowns on the ground last year, even with all the injuries. So it's, you know, that structure of the team is ready to make the playoffs. Their defense got some issues on the back end, but they get Bozer back. So, but Lance, I, 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 I just think um, he's going to probably, if they start to lose, he gets a chance. But I think Garoppolo is going to have a you know a window where if they win games, and he's going to push on. So, and I think Garoppolo gives the two top receivers and Kittle the best chance to have the best fantasy value. If they go the other way, the quarterback's going to run a little bit more, uh, kind of like Lamar Jackson. You know, going to attempt you know a lot you know maybe under 30 passes a game. Um, it's just a different structure to the offense. So I would prefer if I had, was drafting those players, the, the receivers there, I would you know want Garoppolo. They're going to be up and down as far as, you know, receiver's going to score or the running back's going to score. But I really like the San Francisco offense. I think they could be really a top-five offense. Their offense flying good. And I like their, their, those top three receivers. And, uh, you know, just uh, somebody's going to get the running back job that's going to be really good there, too. But it's going to be a mix out of the gate. I know you haven't done projections yet, but just gut check call. T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, which one are you picking? 
Uh, I'm going to take T. Higgins because just I, I feel as though that Cincinnati's got a chance. Of, I did Cincinnati already anyway, so I thought you know they're going to have a chance to ball throw the ball 39, 40 times a game. I mean, he averaged a high number last year. Um, I don't think their their defense is that great. I think that that division, you know, you know Cleveland's, you know, got a pretty good offense. Pittsburgh, you know, wants to move the ball and decent defense, but there's going to be some opportunities where you know Cincinnati's going to have to throw, and I just think that. Uh, Higgins, but I mean, but I like you know that six game stretch was pretty impressive by IU last year. But Nico right, Samuels right. is a pretty pretty good player as well. So, you know, and Kittle, Kittle, and Kittle. is also going to command the ball. Yeah. So, so there's a you know like, but and I think that you know based on value in the drafts and I don't know exactly where your ADPs I don't have around it, but IU goes pretty early and Samuels like two or three rounds later from the other you know ADPs that I've seen. And I think they're they're pretty close, so I would probably lean towards Samuel just because of the gap of the player. I even though I like like both players kind of the same, um, but you know they, they're close. You know. Yeah, Higgins fifty two, wide receiver twenty five, Ayuk fifty four, wide receiver twenty seven, and then Debo down here at seventy three, wide receiver thirty six. You bring up excellent points. Both players, I think I think we could we could see both of them. It would be nice if you had a, a piece of that San Francisco and a piece of that Cincinnati pie. I mean, that's, those are great players. Great team by Mr. Pink. He's a definite contender here, not just in this league, but to win the whole thing with that kind of a squad. Just waiting on an injury, maybe uh, ETN, maybe Jonathan Taylor, uh, Gordon, one of those guys. He's got the whole darn thing. He's got the whole thing. Now, he needs a tight end. You know, you got you to gotta plug somebody, and you got to plug a warm body in here. Uh, so you don't take a goose egg, but I'm sure he'll be able to do that. Skull Crusher, Tyreek Hill, Aaron Jones, J.K. Dobbins, Pat Mahomes in the fourth round as QB1 there, Jamar Chase, Cortland Sutton as his two and three, Mark Andrews, he's just putting the rainbow here. We've got all four positions. Uh, it's a pretty solid squad here. Uh, what's not to like about this squad, uh, Sean? Tyreek Hill, Aaron Jones, J.K. Dobbins. What do you think about that start? Uh, Tyreek's, you know, a really, really explosive player, and especially last year that Kansas City really relied on their top three, two, top three of uh, two or three uh, wide receivers and tight end, you know, for scoring. Where you know the year before, you know, the last couple of years they kind of spread it out behind, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill. So he had a little more up and down. But at the second half of the year, he was really, really good. Aaron Jones is going to split a little bit, but he's going to get enough catches, make big plays. You know, he's probably 225 rushes, and you know close to 60 catches. So he's got a pretty good foundation and we know he can make big plays. The offensive line's a little, I think a little more questionable in green Bay this year. They were left echoes a little banged up and they had some changes where they signed on other teams. So, you know, him averaging 5.5 yards per rush is probably going to go down a little bit less. He hits on a couple of long plays. Obviously, um, you know, starting quarterback Aaron Rodgers playing is going to be a big factor there. Um, I like Dobbins a lot. Only negatives there is, you know, he's not going to catch a lot of passes. And Lamar Jackson is going to, you know, steal a lot of touchdowns, but he's still going to be active. He's a nice, steady player um, in a PPR format. He, he's kind of a different, difficult player for me to take in that area. You know, like I think even like Michael Thomas, next catch guy behind him is, you know, all right. I get, you know, the qu- quarterback questions, but you know, he's going to catch 90 balls and you know, 1,100 yards, even with regression of the change of quarterback. Where I think his floor and consistency factor is a little bit higher. But Dobbins is going to be explosive. He's going to make plays. So, you know, an interesting structure, and obviously Mahomes. I really like Chase a lot on that team. Yeah, and let's talk about this New England tight end situation. Bill Belichick does what Bill Belichick does and has done before. 
uh, loads up the team with a couple of stud tight end players, and it's worked for him in the past. He said, let's get back to it. We don't have Brady. We need to rekindle some of that flame that made us so successful in the past with Gronk and Hernandez and others. He brings in two tight ends. The actual, I mean, look, I was hoping the Jets or somebody would be able to get some of these guys, and, and Hunter Henry could be a star somewhere, and so could Jonu Smith. He takes them both. So now the question is, what happens? Are either of these guys, do you do, put on your crystal ball hat for a second. Do, what do you see from these guys, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, which one will take the lead? Will either of them be a tight end one that you can trust? I think Henry will be a back-end uh, tight end for sure that you can kind of be, you know, he'll get 10, 11 points a game, score some touchdowns. Jono Smith is, you know, was pretty good last year. He's, I think he's going to be the second tight end. But, you know, for the, for the Patriots, you know, what they do is they improve their red zone scoring. And I'm, I'm in the, you know, Cam Newton, you know, obviously everybody keeps saying he threw, threw it in the dirt last year, but he still yeah. completed like two-thirds of his passes. Uh, really had a couple games against Seattle where they, you know, they loaded up at the goal line. You know, ran. You know, he got no nowhere at the end of the game. He fumbled it again in Buffalo. There's a couple of games that they could have been, you know, 500 or one game over, and and they had no receivers. You know, and now they add two tight ends. So now Cam's going to have somebody to dump it off to and make some plays. They added the deep threat. Um, but you know, Henry Henry is going to be a factor. But Smith is really kind of an interesting guy because he is going to be sneaky around the goal line. So it's 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 he's going to be a tougher play. He's more of a tight end two for me, but you know, you know, Henry's, you know, with a higher skill set, you know, 50, 60 catches, you know, maybe catches, you know, five or six touchdowns. It depends on how far Cam can push his, you know, passing touchdowns, but you know, they're, they're going to run the ball. They're going to play pretty good defense. So the Patriots are going to be better. And we'll see what happens you know, if, you know, Mac Jones, how quickly he progresses, but I like Henry the best out of those receivers. I always like to look at I always like to look at the contracts. Uh, Hunter Henry, three-year, 37 mil with a $15 million signing bonus. Jonu Smith, four-year, 50 million with a $15 million signing bonus. It feels like Belichick said, we want you both hard to stop. And when they looked at the wide receivers that were on the squad, they were like, yeah, this puts us in a best spot. We're not second fiddle now. We're the first fiddle. We're the one that, that, that uh, Cam Newton's going to find or whatever quarterback is here. We're going, to be, uh, we're going to be the top options and the top reads in this offense. And we could see something like that because you've got to put yourselves in their shoes and say, why did they take those deals with New England when they could have gotten that money somewhere else and, been a, and not, have to sh- not had to share the ball with another tight end like that? It almost leads me to believe that Bill looked him right in the eye and said, we're going to make uh, something special here. I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to see. It's interesting that Mr. Pink did take Hunter Henry in the 13th round as his tight end one, finishes off the squad. He's, he's probably sitting down, and he's probably popped the bottle now and is uh, going to try to, to finish off this draft. But let's keep taking a look at Skull Crusher here. He's got a good squad. Let's repeat the team. Mahomes, Jones, Dobbins, Tyreek, Jamar Chase, Cortland Sutton. Now, when you say Jamar Chase and Cortland Sutton are your two and your three, those are huge upside plays, but they're not safe plays. So at some point, you have to fix that so that you have something safe and steady to plug in. And it's already we're 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 late in the draft. Can he fix it? Mike Williams, John Brown, and AJ Green to pair with Mark Andrews and Johnu Smith. I, I I think he's doing exactly what I just talked about, Sean. Uh, Greg has looked at his wide receivers. He had high upside, and he says he has to fix that a little bit. 
I don't. I don't think he has to fix Chase. I mean, he's got he's got a year under his belt that was explosive in college. He has exper- experience with Burrow. I mean, that guy's you really think the out running. of the gate, out of the gate, he comes out uh, and just right, barn burner. Ninety-five, thirteen hundred sixty-three yards, ten touchdowns. T. Higgins, 92, 12, 19, and nine. That's the, those are the three receivers. Oh, Great. I mean, those incredible. top two receipts. Yep. So the, I, I think that's a you know that's a win and pick a value. Uh, you know, if there was um you know preseason games, I don't know exactly the schedule this year, but you know he flashes in one game. He, he'll probably go in front of T. Higgins in some drafts. I know Higgins was going uh, earlier in a lot of drafts. So I mean, Chase is a pretty explosive player. Uh, kind of a guy that's going to be, you know, a 100-catch guy year in, year out. Uh, really like the quarterback. Um, fire you, you take, know, Sean. In, fire, fire, yeah, and, fire, fire take. Fire take. I mean, 95 catches for Jamar Chase. You said it without it, without an injury. Let's, let's bring in Frankie Fantasy. Fat Stacks Frankie from Sports Illustrated and from Vegas Whispers. Frankie, 95 catches from Jamar Chase, according to Mr. Sean Childs, the Rain Man. I'll take the under. What is the over under? What is the over under? Tell me that. I don't, I don't know. Whew, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there is one yet. But if I had a, if I had to say who's going to lead the team in catches, it's going to be a guy that you alluded to earlier, which I 100% in agreement with you, Sean, and that's T. Higgins. I think mm-hmm. T. Higgins is going to lead that team. I think he's going to be the one, the the clear one on that team. I think Jamar Chase has a solid season, but uh, ninety plus catches. I'm not so sure. I mean, I think we have a little bit possibly of hesitancy from the Bengals' uh, offensive philosophy when they easily work maybe within the first few games work Joe Burrow back into the game flow as he comes off that knee injury and the knee surgery. So, but if I had to, my projections for me, I believe that T Higgins is the guy who eats the most in this offense, but I do tend to agree with you. I think Jamal Chase will eat as well, but I'm just not so sure that he eats to a tune of 90 plus reception. Yeah. They threw the, they threw the ball 40 times a game with Burrow last year and they're better this year. Their offensive line obviously has to be, you know, protect them a little bit better, but they're going to throw the ball a lot. No, I don't I don't disagree with that, but I just worry about how much do they do throw it early on for him to lead to a certain point of being able to attain that projection of 90 plus yards, uh, 90 plus receptions. I do believe that he has legitimate chance. Um uh, I don't even know. I haven't really worked too much 100% yet on to my Overall projections on him, but I mean Jamar Chase. I have him at I, I right now. I have him at at a thousand yards receiving, um, but his and I have him at seven and a half reception, uh, seven and a half touchdowns. Mm-hmm. His overall receptions, I just don't have a number on yet. Yeah, I haven't gotten that far. Um, that'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks where I'll be working even more so and really starting to get in tune with the fantasy. But for me, I, I tend to take believe that it will be under 90, but I still think that I think he's 70-plus. I just don't know if he gets to 90 just because, like you said, I mean, one thing that I think all Bengal fans and a lot of NFL fans will probably attest to is taking Jamar Chase and passing on some of the top elite offensive line talent that was out there at the top of the draft could be an issue going mm. forward because they did do certain things, don't get me wrong, with improving their offensive line, but they didn't do enough 
in order to protect their franchise quarterback because we did see that that offensive line did lead to him being uh, unfortunately having his season cut short due to a knee injury. So we're hoping that the protection is better for Joe Barrow in year two. Let's talk about J.K. Dobbins. My, my, oh, sorry. Can I say one thing on that? Yep. Yep. My, I had that my the discussion about that taking the pick the offensive lineman. I, I told a friend of mine back home that the offensive lineman that they were going to take in the first round compared to the next one they were to got in the second round was a lot closer than Chase getting drafted and whoever gets drafted out of him because Chase is going to be a Hall of Fame player and he's going to put up you know prolific stats every year. So he, it's such a you know disparity where you know I, I think they did well. You know they they got out with an offensive lineman. And the structure is okay. I mean, obviously the offensive line is has to be a lot better than last year, but they they Man. can draft another yeah. offensive lineman last year. There's a, there's a great structure. Total, in hearing you guys talk about Jamar Chase, I am pretty confident as he sits here at wide receiver 23 in FFWC ADP, pick number 4950 on average, and he goes here tonight. Uh, he goes at pick 53, wide receiver 26. We're going to see this guy ascend. We're going to see him ascend into the third round. And look, by Vegas, he could be right there at the early, the early part of the third round. You know, in there, in the, in the CD Lamb, Michael Thomas, A. Rob kind of range. By the way, you guys are talking about him. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Sean. One, one last thing before uh, I let you go here. J.K. Dobbins is a, is a player that obviously Skull Crushers is counting on to be the RB two in his offense. He's the third pick of, of off, off the board here for him. And J.K. Dobbins is a guy that hasn't gotten a lion's share of the carries with Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards there, 130 carries last year and, and only 18 receptions. So what, what kind of a player are we going to see from J.K. Dobbins? That's to me or Frankie, sorry. That's to you, bud. Um, I, I, I gave him – I have that projections for them too, 231 rushes, over five yards of rush, 1,100 yards, 1180 yards. Uh, 12 touchdowns, a couple passing, 10 on the ground, um, maybe 30 catches for a couple hundred yards. So you know, it's it's a really really good, good season. season. It's a strong season. Yeah, yeah I mean it's yeah. it's I mean I did. It's not like I you know don't like the player. I liked them last year, and I, you know, and, and they run the ball a lot, and you know, so uh, it's just like I said, it's a little more you know because the catches, the consistency factor there. But I think he's going to be you know he's going to rank really really high at the running back position. And I like what he's doing. And Edwards is still, you know, I gave Edwards 160 touch uh, rushes, so it's not like I, you know, he's, you know, faded either. So, you know, you know, Dobbins is a, you know, a very attractive player. Just different when you're looking at team structure. And I'm not really in draft mode, but you know, just mentally, I always lean more to the yellow sticker in that situation, especially when they have a resume and Thomas coming off a bad year. And I guess that's a, you know, an interesting, you know, discussion. Sean Childs, the Rain Man, you can count on him uh, to break down all the players, all the outlooks, week projections, season projections. He does it all. Uh, Sean, appreciate you being here. It's always a nice uh, way to kick off this, the, the fantasy drafting season here at FFWB with the big one, the Red versus Blue Draft Man. Uh, can't wait to see some of your draft boards this year. All right. We'll talk to you. Good luck. All right. Frankie, that was Sean Childs, man. And, uh, look, we're, we're, we're going to finish up this – this draft here, they, these guys are flying, by the way. They're real pros. They're already in the 15th round, finishing going into the 16th round now. Let's talk about release the Kraken out of the sixth hole. I love the, the, the start that Ash started here with Jonathan Taylor, Calvin Ridley. Two, I couldn't be happier about the, two, the first two players start there, and I'm sure he was too. Then you get into Michael Thomas, Kareem 
done. Let's talk about that 3-4 combo there. Michael Thomas with an unknown situation at quarterback, but still, wide receiver 12. Is he a wide receiver 1 this year for fantasy? It's it's close. It's close for me. I mean, I, I tend to want the other owners in my league to really take the chance on Michael Thomas. I'm kind of down on him this year. My own yeah. overall uh, projections, my early yeah, projections. Yeah, you want are, somebody else to take have, that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I really want someone else to take that risk because I'm just not so sure that, I, you know, that, that we're going to see uh, a, a fluid situation, a quarterback, and, and whoever is on the center, uh, if it's Jameis Winston and he's not throwing any kind of pick sixes and doesn't get the quick hook, I'm not so sure that Michael Thomas, who we already were starting to see some regression with the Hall of Fame and great quarterback Drew Brees on the center, if we're not going to see that regression as well. So for me, Michael Thomas, I'd rather see some of my other counterparts. I'd rather see one of the 11 other teams really go out on a lurch and draft Michael Thomas this year, whether it's the third round or the fourth round or whether it may be for me, Michael Thomas is a pass, and I would have rather have seen him gone in a different direction there, but I can understand his intentions there. I love, I absolutely love his first two picks. I think Jonathan Taylor is really going to keep behind that Indianapolis Colts offensive line this year, and as everyone knows, a guy that I was extremely high on last year and extremely high on once again this year, Calvin Ridley. I think we're looking at a top 10 wide receiver once again in all of the NFL. I think Calvin Ridley is ready to ascend on the entire uh, fantasy football landscape and really emerge and, and present himself as in a clear-cut player who maybe by the time that we're drafting next summer will be hearing his name called in the first round as opposed to the second. Yeah, look, uh, going back to Michael Thomas, Taysom Hill really liked him. Uh, I mean, when he got going, the first couple of games, look, but coming back from the ankle injury, he was just a body out there. But then 9 for 104, uh, 4 for 50, 9 for 105, 8 for 84. Those are good startable fantasy weeks. They're not Michael Thomas weeks, unfortunately, because everybody took used a first-round pick on him. 5 for 73 and a touch with Drew Brees in the wild card game. Again, it's an 18-point game. That ankle injury seemed to, to linger, and, and I, I would hope that if that's not a problem this year, I wouldn't expect it to be. So then you only have the, uh, the uncertainty. But I'm like you. I, I would hope that other people would take the shot and would not leave me with the problem. I would have probably taken Allen Robinson there, but it, you, you can't fault for going Michael Thomas, especially with the upside. Let's move on to Kareem Hunt, Adam Thielen, Travis Etienne. I heard that Travis, you know, everybody in, on TV pronounces it Etienne. In, but actually, it's pronounced I Chan. I Chan. I read on one of the posts. Uh, I don't know Travis. about that. From, my, from everything that, from every time that I've always heard it called, I've always heard it was E-T-N. every Saturday. This just is like, what the just, back. Just like, this is what the, like the letters of, that are pronounced. E-T-N. This is what the back of the card says. Every it says his name. Is his he has his name pronounced wrong every Saturday? E T N. When in reality it's pronounced I dash Chan A Y dash Chan. Interesting nugget because everybody on the uh, in, in college football would always say E T N and not Etienne, not it, you know anything else. It was always E T N. It's on that card. It says I Chan. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if that's the case. Travis E T N I Chan here um, in the in in the fifth. Sixth round here. Yeah, sixth round. Uh, RB27, that's right along lines with the ADP that we're, that we're looking at with FFWC. What do you think about taking an ETN, ICAN here player 
um, to pair with the, uh, you know, the, the Trevor Lawrence experience. I, I think it, it, listen, there's tremendous upside, but for me, if I was looking at that board, the only player um, looking at this right now, I know it's 2020 in hindsight, the only player for me that jumps off that I probably would have used that selection on over ETN if I was going in the running back position for me would have been Trey Sermon. I would have liked to have seen him add Trey Sermon to this lineup. I think it would have been a little bit more solid because I'm just worried so much about, you know, I really don't know how we're going to be able to see him. If he's only going to be a third down back, and listen, in PPR leagues, we know we love those, but is he going to be fluid enough to really be able to catch those passes and really make that assimilation into the NFL level? If he is, then it's a great pick. But for me, I just feel like Trey Sermon has an opportunity to really eat in that San Francisco offense to a higher level than Travis does in year one. Uh, Can I just tell you that I'm fanatical about Travis Teddy, ETN, I-Chan, whatever we want to call him. Travis, I'm fanatical about this. I really think he hit it out of the park with that sixth-round pick. He got good value at RB27. His his ADP is RB21. The most prolific college career in ACC history. But it's just the skill set. The skill set that he that, – I mean, we watched pretty much every Clemson game, right? And everybody watched him. And the dude can take it to the house. He, I, if they use him the right way, and I think that's why you have this coaching staff, I think they'll find a way to coexist with that James Robinson, take the heavy burden off of him and keep him fresh. He's got a little Alvin Kamara in him to me. He's got a little Alvin Kamara. Where I, it, I, it just sort of shocked the world. Remember on Alvin Kamara, Kamara was the only one really – fanatical about him, and, and all of a sudden, boom, big-time play after big-time play. That's what I think we might see with old Travis here. Uh, listen, I, I don't disagree with that. For me, it comes down to this. James Robinson was such a stud in so many fantasy drafters early on in the 2021 fantasy landscape, especially among these early drafts, are so easily able to dismiss James Robinson as being, quote-unquote, the man. If James Robinson is still given first and second down carries, and Trey Sermon, who I alluded to earlier, is able to be on an offensive – I don't want to say an offensive attack predominantly based upon running, but it really is. But with a much better offensive line, San Francisco's offensive line, clearly better than Jacksonville, and we know about the injury history already with you know Raheem Mostar. So if that injury history is already there and it presents itself, I think Trey Sermon has a much better chance of being your RB1 maybe a quarter way through or even halfway through and taking over a lead running back position as an RB1 on a predominantly dominant running attack in San Francisco as opposed to a team like Jacksonville that may get away from that running game late in second halves because like right now, according to the oddsmakers, they're not projected to win a lot of games right now, despite the fact that they added the number one pick in the overall in the uh, in the draft in Trevor Lawrence. They're still projected to be behind in many times, and if they're, they're going to be projected to be behind, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Now, obviously, you're projecting that if you're drafting Travis Etienne in the sixth round, you're you're hoping that when they're throwing that ball, hopefully he's under pressure a lot, and there'll be a lot of dump offs to Travis in the flat, and you can get a lot yep. of those quote-unquote garbage points that all of us fantasy points love in the second half when we know that they'll be behind. But if, you know, if uh, if Lawrence really isn't looking to check down and we're going to be throwing the ball more, you know, 
down the field and trying to really press so sure that you're going to get the projection points of value of the sixth round as opposed to Trey Sermon. Now, obviously, I agree with you. Yeah, Trey yeah. Sermon is going to need most our great player. Down. Yeah, great player. Both, I think they're both exciting players from Ohio State. Trey Sermon was uh, phenomenal and shouldn't take him long to get that job. Uh, Travis Etienne, he kind of lines up as a receiver uh, even when he's not uh, the, the lead running back there. So there's a lot to like about both of those players. I, I think that's the kind of stack that you like if you're going to go wide receiver heavy. Uh, we need to speed this thing up because we only threw six teams. We've got six more to go, and they're already finishing up in the 18th round. Um, Rodgers and Trevor Lawrence, he gets Aaron Rodgers in the 12th round. I mean, nothing wrong with that kind of a risk-reward there. Uh, and, and then you have Trevor Lawrence to back it up. Goddard and Komet as the tight ends. Love that combo. Absolutely love those two. Uh, if you're if you're going to put this kind of a team together, Ash did a really good job here. He's got the the wide receivers. He's got the tight ends. He's got the quarterback with the with upside. No matter where Aaron Rodgers plays or if he sits out, he's. I mean, he, he, you know, look, you're still going to start Trevor Lawrence. Let's move on to Florida Hitman, Zeke, Mixon, Swift, Edmonds. We talked about that. If this is going to be your start, you've got to get some wide receivers. He gets Woods, Juju, Lavisca. Crowder might, I mean, he's still, that might have just saved his three wide receivers start every single week, Frankie. Yeah, I totally agree. I think a Crowder in the 11th round is tremendous value. Uh, you know, obviously we know that, you know, the, the Jets are going to be starting a rookie, a rookie quarterback, you know, and that rookie quarterback most times looks to the slot. And when he does, yep. when he looks yep. at that quick hitter, he's going to look to a veteran like uh, Jameson Crowder. And I think that I totally agree with you, Scott. I think that he nailed it there in the 11th round. Yep, and he had to. Uh, I would have liked to have seen uh, just a, a few more bullets. And, and so he's taking his bullets, but they're a little late in the game here. Uh, he already had running backs. What do you need the Coleman pick for? What do you need the Connor pick for? You should be firing away at wide receivers at this point. You've got you've got enough running backs, bro. You got four in the first five rounds. Drake, and I'll even give that one to you, even though I mean a Devonte Parker would have. Uh, well, I guess Devonte had already went, but Curtis Samuel at that point, maybe Will Fuller. That would have been much more beneficial. Uh, you know, you don't really need to lock in the, the Chase Edmonds job there uh, with James Connor. And Kenyon Drake was not yeah, really a necessary picture. I, I, I totally agree with you, Scotty. Yep. That, but it's a good totally squad. Agree just, with you. I, I, think, I, think, I think that he should be looking maybe at one pick. I think that his, maybe his little bit of a slip-up was using no offense and selecting yeah. no offense there. I would have liked to have seen him take your guy, Elijah Moore, there, or my guy even, a guy who's going to be now number two in that Kansas City offense. I would like to have seen Nicole Hardman, who yeah. unfortunately didn't make it back to him, uh, and that's why he was forced to take – James Conner, I would have liked to have seen him take Elijah Moore or Miko Hardman to help round out that wide receiver uh, core that he has that you alluded to. I think he needs a little bit more. Okay, so, so he, could have taken, he could have taken Goddard instead of Drake and then Elijah Moore, and now we're cooking with gas, you know, uh, or Mooney even. I like Mooney there uh, with Elijah Moore. I probably take Mooney nine times out of ten before I take Elijah Moore, even though Elijah has a lot of upside. Mooney feels like he's ready to explode too, both of them. Uh, really good picks there. But I don't mind somebody taking a tight end when they feel like they're going to be behind at wide receiver a little bit with wide receiver three. And so you don't want to be behind at wide receiver three and at tight end. Get you a tight end, get it on the board, and that's only one position to shore up and fire away at that position and really fix it up. But look, LaVisca is not a slouch. I just, I, you know, there's just some questions there about the depth with bye weeks and injuries and, and tough matchups, is he going to be able to make it with those three wide receivers? But it's a really, really solid, solid squad. BC, BSOL, Frank Shinnick, 
in the chat room. Um, let's see. Let's take this two hundred one caller. Two hundred one, you're on with Red versus Blue. What's up, man? Two hundred one. Hey, it's Anthony. How you doing? Hey, Anthony. What's going on, man? How's your draft going? I, I'm Devonte with the first pick, so yep. um, I think I, I think Aaron Rodgers hopefully will play. Um, I was stuck there a little bit when I'm running back. I, I, I don't know if I was going to reach a little bit, but at, at the end of the day, to me, I, I felt going with the top wide receiver just felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with it, man. I love Frankie. you, pick Anthony. I love you, pick yeah. Najee Harris. I think you hit it. Yeah, well, when, you know, once I went that wide receiver, I, I thought about going double wide receiver there, taking Stephon Diggs, but. I kind of knew the, the, the running backs wouldn't come back to me, so I had to take. I definitely had to take a running back there. Yeah. Look, man, Lamar Jackson, uh, Najee, and Jacobs. Jacobs will hold the fort down. It might not be a special pick right now. There not, might, might not be a lot, of, uh, a lot of shine on him, but he should. He should he's, a, he's a guy that'll get you in there and, and get uh, get your points on the board. You take Chark, Marquise Brown, who's probably a little underrated right now. Parker and Mooney with a lot of upside. Rager with a lot of upside. You're firing away at those upside guys. You've got Ronald Jones, Kittle and Irv Smith, solid tight ends. You've got great quarterbacks. You've got a little bit of everything here, man. You just need to, you know, it just needs to come together. And those wide receivers, Chark needs to really come through here, Frankie. Chark, Marquise Brown. If those two guys can be studs, this team is ready to go. Oh, 100%. I totally agree with that. Anthony, I have one question for you. While you were on the board tonight, did you feel at any point that you were sniped with a player that you were looking at? Because I look at the draft board, and I wasn't so sure that you might have not been looking at a guy like Miles Sanders, who went one pick before you took uh, uh, Lamar, you know, uh, Josh Jacobs, or even perhaps Josh Allen, who went one pick before you took Lamar Jackson, where that runs were starting. Were you sniped at any point tonight? Um, not really. Um, I, I, I kind of like Jacobs over, over Sanders a little bit. Um, yeah. I think Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake, he, he's going to play. He's going to get it. He's going to get some pass catches. They may even use him a little bit as, as a wide receiver. Miles Sanders worries me a little bit. Um, cause I just don't, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to, is going to be the real deal. And, but, um, I, I debated between both of them, to be honest with you. Um, yep. And I just felt Jake, Jacobs to me is a stud. Um, yep. They're just going to have to use him. And, um, and they need that actually, I, to get healthy. Actually, I, was the, I wanted Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, and it kind of worked out for me. Um, yeah, so one. either one of them I was happy with. Well, good stuff, Anthony. Okay. Uh, good to hear you. We're going to bring in another caller, um, 651. You're on red versus blue, 651. Hey, this is Greg, Skull Crushers. All right, Greg. Well, we we broke down your team. What'd you think of the What'd you think of the critique? You know, I didn't hear the critique because we were doing the draft. Oh, but okay. I'll do it out. But we we kind of ran into a little problem right off the bat with uh, when Aaron Jones kind of came down to us with that uh, with that second pick. Well, he couldn't really pass them up with the value of Aaron Jones. Right. I hear you, man. It's uh, it's it's one of those picks where if he if he falls to you, hard to turn it away, and then you, and then you come back with uh, J.K. Dobbins to get the RB two. Did you consider DeAndre Swift at all there? Thought about it, but you know what? I've got friends in Baltimore, and they are talking about Dobbins how good his hands are right now. He they said he's going to get a lot of catches, 
they're really not talking about it. But the other night I heard a guy from uh, Baltimore talking on the radio, and he said that uh, they were really impressed with Dobbins' workout in the last week and a half with how many balls he catches. So, you know, I think he's going to get some balls. Man, uh, Skull Crushers, Greg, you need to go back, listen to the draft, hear what Sean Child had to say about Jamar Chase. I think you'll be really happy, buddy. He's talking 95 catches. We're going to take the next caller, a 917 area code. 917, you're red versus blue. Hey, guys. Sash. Who do we? Ash, what's up, buddy? We, we broke your team down, too. Jonathan Taylor, Calvin yeah, Ridley. Yeah, Good start, yeah. man. Yeah, I, I, you know, I know the, the Michael Thomas pick was going to be uh, a lot of people weren't going to like that. It was between him and Allen Robinson, but with the rookie quarterback, just right. wasn't sure what was going to happen there. And That's I don't true. love Andy Dalton. So, um, you know, I figured let me go with the guy who's going to at least catch, you know, in his worst year, he'll have 80 catches, you know. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm happy with my team. I you know, I really wanted Jamar Chase. You guys talked him up, and I think that's why uh, he got taken a pick ahead of me. Um, oh. So that that kind of that kind of like chased me a little bit. But you know, that was the one snipe that I really uh, you know. But I think okay. Adam Thielen is always a good pick there, um, right. and I like my team. I think I got a lot of balance, and uh, I love my tight end combo. And uh, I think I got a pretty pretty strong team. And I'll be doing the red and blue next week too. Awesome, fantastic, man. Well, good. Good draft. Nice nice to have you uh, in the draft. And, look, you, you bring up a good point with Michael Thomas. Jameis Winston made studs out of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and uh, we'll see what um, what they can do. Let's bring in 786 area code on red versus blue. 786, you're live. Would you like fries with that? <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> it's David Mora. <laughs> How are you? Awesome, Dave. Hey, good draft, man. McCaffrey, Edwards, Waller, and then you fired away at some wideouts. That's what you got to do. Yeah, man. I'm curious to hear um, not just like your favorite picks that most people like to hear, but also the constructive criticism on a couple picks. You might have gone something different, whether it's the early rounds or the later rounds. Frankie? Listen, I, 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 I totally agree with you in your, in your first three picks. I would have loved to have seen if that opportunity – I mean, you, I, in my opinion, I, I, I believe that you probably Higgins. were looking and biting at the, and biting at the chomp that, that possibly maybe Justin Jefferson or D.K. Metcalf may have fallen a couple more picks there to you at the, at the, at the, you know, at the end of round two. But Clyde Edwards-Delay, you can't go wrong, pairing him with Christian McCaffrey. Darren Waller, I think, was a fantastic pick at that spot uh, for me. But, you know, overall, I, I really – I really have uh, no no specific things, honestly, that yeah. would that would prevent me from saying that this yeah. team wasn't good. The only pick that I would probably have a little bit of a bone to pick with you is in round five. I honestly would have preferred to see you take T. Higgins over taking Kenny Gallagher. I think there's a lot of mouths to feed in that giant offense where I think that, as opposed to that, in the Cincinnati offense, I think he is the clear, uh, ready to take over the clear number one role where Gallagher is going to be fighting for balls, uh, obviously, in that giant offense. I think he is really ready, ready to emerge. I know that Jamar Chase is on the other side, but I don't think a rookie is really ready to put up that kind of numbers that we saw maybe from Justin Jefferson last year. So, for me, that would be the only play, play that pick that I really see an issue with is that, honestly, I would like to have seen you take Justin to, that I'd like to have seen you take T. Higgins over Galladay there. But outside of that, your first three, four picks, I think you absolutely nailed it, buddy. Agreed. I was just spreading exposure. I actually got Higgins in my other uh, number one overall pick. So 
Yeah, yeah. And you know, and well, you know yeah, when, that, that, when, you, when you start with those three guys, you know what's going to be there, and you, you're hoping for the 22 best wide receiver, right? And you got Tyler Lockett, so you got to consider that a little bit of a gift um, that it's there at the end of the fourth. So, Fantasy Noob, good to have you here, bud. We're going to move on to the rest of the draft here. BSOL, uh, Frank Shinnick, Frankie, he went Dak Prescott, Trey Lance at quarterback. Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, love that start. Alan Robinson, Mike Evans, love those two. Kyle Pitts, Dak Prescott, love those two. Antonio Brown as your three in the seventh round. Tony Pollard as the RB3 with upside. Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, Gabriel Davis. He's trying to win it all here. Yeah, well, listen to the Right now, it looks like B-Sold to me. He is a, a gem when it comes to odd rounds. He, I think he absolutely nailed it in round five with Kyle Pitts. Came back and nailed it once again in round nine with Elijah Moore. And then my favorite pick that he made in round 15, Adam Trotman. I think that he, he actually backed up Kyle Pitts there. So there's a potential of him starting both of those tight ends, maybe even at the flex position right there. So for me, I think that he nailed it in every odd-numbered round. So for me, b soul, you should congratulate yourself when it comes to the odd-number rounds specifically 5-9, and as well as 15 for me. I think he absolutely nailed it. Real real good drafter, good construction, and, and Gibson and Akers have lots of upside to start the draft. Uh, if, if we had to go and we'd say, look, at Antonio Brown there, I don't, I don't hate it, right? You're looking at those other receivers that are there. I don't hate it. And then coming back with Tony Pollard, it's not the guy that I usually take there. And matter of fact, starting three wide receivers, had I known that – I mean, look, I didn't know that Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, and Gabriel Davis were going to be there to make me feel a lot better about the wide receiver. Panicky about getting another wide receiver on the board here because I've already got two Tampa Tampa, Tampa Bay's uh, receivers here. I'm thinking to myself, I've, I've still got to get a couple to start, especially during Tampa bye weeks or in case of injuries here. So I'm not really thinking Tony Pollard, but, you know, I, I, I get it. It's uh, it's a RB3, and at that point, he doesn't have an RB3. He's got a fire somewhere, and, and it, he did. Darrington Evans is also another upside player. If something happens to King, I'm also hearing from Tennessee insiders and Tennessee beat reporters, Evans is going to be used more this year. They're not going to pound Henry as much, especially if they're winning games, right? If they're winning games, they might just let, you know, Darrington Evans get a little, uh, get a little shine this year. Let's move on to Bronco, Frankie. We've got four teams to go here. Allen and Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Barkley, Chris Carson, Damian Harris. Now, you got to remember something. This is the league winner from 2020, so we got to take a deep look at this strategy. He took Barkley over Chubb and Eckler. He took Diggs. We knew he was going to take Josh Allen. When you asked him about, uh, the, you know, uh, about getting sniped there with Lamar, Josh Allen, we knew that he was going to pair Allen with Diggs there. You could feel it. Diggs, Godwin, Beckham, Robert Tanyan, Evan Ingram. The only thing I'm a little scared of here is this running back core that I might have to depend on if Barkley's not 100%. It's Carson, Damian Harris, David Johnson are my starters. Yeah, that's probably his, his, his biggest question mark is obviously his running back position after, you know, obviously if Saquon is healthy, then he has an elite RB1 who fell to him ridiculously late that you normally wouldn't see. I think if Saquon Barkley was known to be healthy, we'd be looking at a top two, top three overall pick like he normally is. But now obviously a lot of people have soured on Saquon 
because they're worried about that knee coming back. He obviously went for the state play and tried to get Chris Paulson in round three. Damian Harris in round eight is pretty decent. For me, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned with the aging David Johnson uh, in round 10. But maybe Ahmed, maybe he can start, strike some gold there in round 15. You never know. But for me, I really like the Van Jefferson pick in, uh, in round 17. I think that's a solid pick for a guy working out of the slot this year. Uh, obviously, that's your guy, Matthew Stafford, under center there. So, obviously, the Rams offense has great potential this year in 2021. But I think overall, I think Bronco has, once again, a makeup and the construction of a top team that is definitely going to compete in 2021 in this particular online championship league. Yeah, I think a lot of people might be sleeping on Damian Harris. It's not an exciting pick right now. He's, he's number 95, mm-hmm. RB35. But when you look at this offense, The Patriots ran 51% of their plays last year. That's second only to the Ravens at 55%. And at the center basically was Damian Harris. He led all Patriot running backs in touches with 142 touches. The other three only drew 80 plus. So you've got Rex Burkhead that's gone for Houston. And then Sonia Michelle may or may not make the team. Harris is going to be the bell cow. And, And here we are drafting a bell cow for the New England Patriots in round eight. Now you still got James White there for dumpers and stealing a little bit of that shine, but that's not a bad player type. Hey, look, it's kind of similar to Raheem Mostert. So it, it, it's there, but I think it has a little bit more uh, significance and a little bit more upside than, than Harris. So, and look, what, whoever drafts Barkley this year, you aren't feeling like a hundred percent, right? You're taking Barkley hoping that he can overcome it because he's the machine that he is and he's a physical specimen. So you're, you're banking on that coming through, but the rest of the squad with Allen Diggs, Godwin Beckham, and you, you, you holding the fort down at tight end with Tanya and, and, and Ingram. There's a lot to like about this team. And there's a, there's a reason why he, uh, he all on And we haven't even mentioned Chris Carson. It's not my guy. Chris Carson's never been my guy, but at RB two at three, Nine, it's a, it's the safest running back there. You could argue that David Montgomery is is in that tier also, but I'd much rather have a piece of Seattle's offense than Chicago's. Yep, I totally agree with that assessment. Okay, uh, we did boats and hose with Devonte Adams. Let's do dilly dilly. Joey Brown, uh, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Hopkins, love that start. Cooper Cup with Matthew Stafford. Let's face it, this is the best quarterback Cooper Cup's ever had. And and Cooper at this draft spot, wide receiver 14, pick 311. He took him five spots higher than FFWC ADP, and I don't mind it at all. What do you think about Cooper Cup, five spots higher than the ADP of wide receiver 19? He takes him at wide receiver 14. I think it was, I, I, I think his first five rounds were arguably the best of any team in the entire draft. Uh, for me, I think a little bit of that run was, I believe, in my opinion, if I was drafting and I'm on the clock, I think he might have only positioned, he may have been sniped, was seeing Javante Williams go the pick before he took T.J. Hawkinson. Now, I've always been a player, for me, I think the tight end position he could clearly wait on, but he went with T.J. Hawkinson. I would have loved to have seen Javante Williams score one more pick and be added to this roster. I would have loved to have seen Javante Williams with Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, Zach Moss, my, you know, uh, and, and as well as Gordon there. I think that would have been a solid foundation. Listen, he still didn't go wrong with, with T.J. Hawkinson, but his first five picks, Chubb, Hopkins, Cup, and then pairing him. The only problem is he's going to have the problem. It's a good problem to have. But 
what does he do? Does he go with the stacking formation of Cup and Stafford every week? Or does he go with the player that he clearly drafted higher in Kyler Murray? So, obviously, this is not a, a, uh, a flex yeah. league where you'll be starting two quarterbacks. So, he's going to have a good problem to have, but it's going to be one problem he's going to have every week. And he's going to have to hope that he makes the right decision on a weekly basis. Does he go with that combo and stacking of Stafford and Cup that you alluded to? Or does he go with Kyler Murray? But outside of that, I love his first five picks. I don't. I don't think you worry about Kyler at all. You just you plug him in every week, and and you just have a luxury pick in Stafford there at the worst case scenario, an injury, a bye week. Um, I don't. I don't. You know. I don't think there's anything wrong with. It. And you're blocking other people from grabbing that that QB. I know that that's part of it because he's he's taken QB nine before the big run Stafford, and he he prevented somebody out there. I don't know who it is. There were three teams, four teams that didn't have their QB1 yet. There was a little defense there from Joey Brown taking Matt Stafford. I like it. Hawkinson, Gesicki, like it. Uh, Hopkins, Cup, Gallup. Now, there you go. Now we're talking about a little bit of a problem for me. In the FFWC, you've got to survive the bye weeks, tough matchups, the injuries, and Michael Gallup is your three. There's a there's a little bit something here. I'm trying to look and see if if is it the Zach Moss pick that 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 hurts my feelings a little bit or not really. Maybe it's the Melvin Gordon pick that where you could use a wide receiver here instead. Uh, Mikael Hardman was an absolute necessity. Gesicki was more of a luxury pick here. Maybe another wide receiver, but none are really standing out. I mean, would Beasley be so bad? I mean, just another nice body that can get you four or five catches in the game because you need it. Right, you need it. What if something happens to Hopkins or Cup? You're going to have to hit the waiver wire at that point. Maybe Kendrick Bourne, that 20th round sleeper, right there, and and uh, nobody's talking about it. Maybe Kendrick Bourne comes in to save the day, and he plays him uh, on several matchups this year because the wide receiver three spots a little thin, especially with bye weeks and injuries. But everything else just out of the out of the freaking park. Finally, Bada Bing, Jim Scarnati, Frankie, take it away, bud. Break the team down. Yeah, well, listen, I think Tony Soprano would definitely be happy with this team. I love the start of Eckler and, and, and Travis Kelsey. When you can get Travis Kelsey, who's been going in a lot of these drafts in the mid-first round, now you can get him as the first pick of the second round. I think that he absolutely nailed it. Then you come back and you get, you know, Julio Jones, who, you know, obviously he's not the same Julio, but when you have him in the third round and then you pair him with the likes of, uh, you know, obviously Landry and maybe Marvin Jones and an aging T.Y. Hilton. Now, T.Y. Hilton, a lot of people are down on him, but there's a chance that T.Y. Hilton, if he can recover some of that, you know, usefulness and maybe he can find the fountain of youth just for a little bit, he really could hit a home run there getting T.Y. Hilton in round 10. And then obviously he comes back. He's got my strategy there, nailing back-to-back picks in rounds 11 and 12 with the arguably the quintessential uh, our, you know, PPR running back in J.P. McGizzett, as well as, you know, Tariq Cohen. I love both of those picks right there. That helps solidify after he takes Eckler and he comes back with David Montgomery and Mike Davis, who is a poor man's, you know, uh, RB2 this year, but with RB1 upside in certain weeks. And then, obviously, we alluded to it before, he probably stole Javante Williams, in my opinion, 
from Dilly Dilly, taking him there in round six, the first pick of round six. So for me, for him to come back and have a running back core that consists of Eckler, Montgomery, Mike Davis, Javante Williams, and then later on get it with those two PPL monsters in J.D. McKissick as well as Tariq Cohen. I think he absolutely nailed it there. His biggest issue for me is going to be trying to find that stability at the wide receiver position. Obviously, he's hoping that, you know, we we see – Aaron Rodgers stay in, in Green Bay because his pick of our Alan Lazard in round 15 could be an absolute steal. I'm not so sure Denzel Mims is a dart throw. You're looking for tremendous upside, but you're hoping that the rookie really can emerge uh, on the center for the inbounds out of Baylor last year. But for me, I really love his pick of round in round 13 uh, of Emmanuel Sanders. I think Emmanuel Sanders has the potential to maybe even outproduce a guy like Marvin Jones in Jacksonville. So for me, a guy that he got literally five, four or five rounds later in Emmanuel Sanders, he could be looking at some solid production as well as Alan Rizard because we knew that, you know, last year all fantasy owners were really depending on him and love what he was able to produce before he was able to get injured. So for me, I think that bada bing, you made a team that obviously Tony, Paulie Walnuts, all the guys, you know, in the crew with the Sopranos, they would all be very well and, and think that, you know, you did a great job here, my friends. I think that you absolutely nailed it. I love your top two picks of Austin Eckler as well as Travis Kelsey, two players we've been seeing go in mid-first rounds in early drafts you were able to get at, at pick 12 and the wraparound. So kudos to you, my friend. Frankie and I are going to take 77 seconds, and we'll be right back to tell you who we think will take down the Red versus Blue League in 2021. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. At Augusta, he's on his final hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. Well, he got all of that. The crowd is standing on his feet here at Augusta. The normally reserved Augusta crowd going wild. For this young Cinderella, who's come out of nowhere, he's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a five iron, I expect, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's going to, looks like he's got about an eight iron. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Hey, I'm <laughs> That's one of my favorites, man. All right, Frankie, you've had 77 seconds to study the draft board, to look at these teams, 12 teams in total. They're all top competition here, all different strategies. It's very, very tough. There's no team that stands 100% ahead of the, the – the rest, who is the team to take it down? Frankie Fantasy. For me, it came down to three teams. Teams would be Jerry with Daily Double, Bronco, and Bada Bing. But for me right now, from a first take, I'm going to go with Jerry with Daily Double. I, I, you know, if, if Joe Burrow is able to really come back into form, obviously having that connection with T. Higgins, Alvin Kamara, 
A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, Amari Cooper, Trey Sermon, Leonard Fournette. If by any chance Kamara goes down, he's already handcuffed it with, you know, Latavius Murray. He's got a top uh, tight end that really can perform in Logan Thomas. So for me, if Joe Burrow is the clear kingpin to this lineup, if Joe Burrow is able to come back and play and perform at an elite level starting from week one, and that knee injury is not anything that's a detriment to his production in 2021, I think Jerry Daly is the team to beat. Daily Double's a tough team. I knew you were going with uh, with Burrow and Higgins combo, and I mean it's a it's a solid team. He is in my top three. Daily Double, Mister Pink, and the I knew team, that I knew he had to be there because he's got your boy Brandon Ayuk. I knew it had to be there. And the team that I think might just have enough to take down the whole thing this year, B S O. L with Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, Kyle Pitts, Dak Prescott, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. He's got a little bit of everything. Can he get enough out of that RB3? It's going to be close. It's going to be close. I think I have yeah, to he's, leave. He's definitely got some high upside players in Elijah Moore and Adam Troutman as well. So, And listen, don't sell that sneaky round 18 pick too short. I wouldn't Uh-oh. be surprised if we don't if we don't see that player emerge Ty Johnson. possibly. Uh-huh. Yep. Maybe emerge as stealing that, that and, and look at him yeah. compared to where you see Michael Carter go in eleven rounds earlier. Johnson is able to steal that job. Watch out because that could be an absolute steal in round eighteen because I'm not so sure that the rookie can absolutely pick up the blitz the way that the Jets are going to want him to to protect that rookie quarterback. And if Michael Carter just struggles a little bit you know, coming out of North Carolina, picking up the blitz, you yeah. can see Ty Johnson stealing that job. So I, yeah. I tend to agree with you. These folks yeah, definitely jump up and steal this play. And it's 77 seconds of analysis, guys. I'll tell you, it's probably the kiss of death. There's a lot of teams here. They all, they're very, very tough. Matter of fact, if I look at it tomorrow, you know, I'll probably give it to somebody else. You know, Mr. Pink, to me, the Brandon Ayuk pick and the Justin Jefferson with CG, CD, CD Lamb, and then Jay Moore's, you're like, okay, and also ran, and Jerry Judy, you're also ran with Herbert and Henry and all the things that he's got going. I mean, anybody to take down Mr. Pink, you better just you better bring a lunch. You better pack a lunch because that week you're, 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 you're in for it, okay? Well, uh, man, hey, this is a great draft. I want to thank all of the drafters. You guys make this league so special. We are going to have a red versus blue prize. We're going to have a red versus blue giveaway. Uh, expect that email tomorrow, and uh, we're going to keep it going. We've got red versus blue two, and we've got red versus blue three, because it's just red versus blue has grown, and, and you can't just get it all done in one draft, Frankie. So we'll be back. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We will see you guys next week on red versus blue. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.